Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there, Sarah Shaw here with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I'm really excited about today's call because I'm going to be speaking with Chad Dime, who is one of the CEOs of Diff Charitable Eyewear. And what's cool is he was born into the eyewear industry. I doubt that many people can say that. Um, and his father was one of the biggest importers of wholesale eyewear in California. And because of this extensive experience in eyewear sales, He's leading the charge on the wholesale business for DIFF and landing accounts such as Nordstrom's, Dillard's, and 1,000-plus boutiques nationwide, which is totally great. And additionally, what's really cool is Chad has focused his efforts on leading the company's ever-expanding charity program, which we're going to talk about, which has allowed DIFF to donate over 1 million pairs of reading glasses around the world. So I just love this concept. And Chad, I'm so hyped talk to you today. How are you? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that wonderful introduction. Of course. Well, it's kind of a cool company. <laughs> so you deserve oh, it. Thank you. And I wanted to, yeah, I wanted, so tell us a little bit. I mean, I know you come from, you know, you've got an eyewear legacy behind you, but how did you, you know, just people don't always go into, you know, what their parents do. So how did you first get into selling eyewear? You know, tell us a little bit about your startup story because I know you have a couple yeah. of partners. Yeah, you, I appreciate you nailing it the way you did actually. It was really accurate. Um, I did get my start with my family. Uh, ever since I was born, my dad's been an importer of eyewear. That's sunglasses and reading glasses. So growing up, my dad was wheeling me into trade shows at the age of, I don't even know, five years old in a box so I could get my first taste of what it would be like to be on a trade show floor to watch him sell. Um, awesome. it, was, it was incredible. It was, yeah, it was, it was a really big nudge into being an entrepreneur. Um, I got my first taste of kind of leadership going to college and stuff like that. I realized I love to lead teams. But when I went out, when I left college, I went back to work with my dad, and I quickly realized that the industry that he was in um, what he was doing, particularly, you know, wholesaling um, what we call affordable eyewear, um, like a $25 price point retail, it just wasn't for me. I wanted to really build something that would stand the test of time. I wanted to build a brand. So I began to kind of start seeking ways to do that. And through working with my family, I was lucky enough to meet my first business partner, Zach. And we spun off into building a few businesses together. Um, and one of the businesses was, was actually taking sunglasses to music festivals and selling them at like 30 or 40 music festivals around the country all summer long. Um, wow, like the Coachella in, type of thing? Yeah, exactly. Like the Coachellas. Okay. We never actually did Coachella. It's too big of a beast to actually get in there. Um, but we did yeah, okay. everything else under the sun. I mean, you name it. There was festivals from New York, across the country, all the way to California. And that's actually where we met Chad Jernigan and really partnered up with him a few years later. But in, in the beginning, he was our competitor. 
So that's <laughs> one really interesting story that I like to tell about the, the foundation of DIFF is that it was born in the music festival industry and actually our partnership began there and, and, and it, <laughs> we were competitors first. Um, so it was really interesting. But yeah, that's where we got our, our, our kind of start. And, and we were all, the cool thing is about my partners and I, not just myself, we were all doing something with sunglasses and, and eyewear in general before we met. So our passions and, and our kind of experiences all lined there. And do you guys still do those kinds of shows? Or are you just mostly wholesale and we, not retail on your site? We don't. You know, it was interesting. We, we don't do them even though we would love to. What, what happened with the shows was that in the beginning, it was a really great place to learn about a market, um, a, you know, a generation of people, if you will, that were super open. We went to all these music festivals, met hundreds of thousands of, of young people, and they all kind of started to show us that they weren't necessarily brand loyal, they were looking mm. for new, fun, interesting brands, and we were shocked by that because we didn't see Ray-Bans and things like that. Um, it was a lot of people buying our sunglasses and coming back to shows years later being like, hey, I bought these from you at a festival two years ago, and I still have them. So the idea was that, hey, there's definitely a void in the industry, and we mm. can fill that void. And what, you know, that was where the idea of Diff really started being born was through the inspiration we got from meeting these individuals, these amazing people, and through seeing what other brands were doing um, as social enterprises, kind of giving back and things like that. So we took a lot of what we were passionate about, making quality eyewear and giving back and dealing with, um, like I said, a generation of people that were just aching for something new, um, something mm -hmm. to latch on to that had meaning, that had heart, and, and that was actually how Diff was born. So we, we left the festivals behind to kind of start Diff and really become an online brand where we could stop just speaking to people through these shows and really speak to the masses and, and, and really get in front of everybody. So, event, so in a sense, this was your target market research in the first I love that. that you I love that, and it, and, it, and it is exactly that. Yeah. And so let me ask you a marketing question. Did you guys get every single person's email address who you sold to at these festivals? We weren't that sophisticated. Um, okay. You know, yeah, we, we were just going there. We were young. You know, Zach, we were Chad and myself, we were all in our early 20s. So going to the festivals was more um, putting ourselves just out there to interact with the consumer and sell the glasses mm -hmm. right there. We, didn't, we had some online stores that people could shop, but... Um, it, was, it was target market research, like you said, in a sense that we just knew there was a market for it. I don't even right. think that Diff's, Diff's target market is necessarily a festival goer per se, uh, you know, on the, like the, the exact person has, yeah, it, it, that person, that, that gal, I should say, that girl has changed. We really speak to a female market as, as Diff has, has evolved and stuff like that. Um, but those individuals that, that we met and that we really got to know at those shows, like I said, it just proved to us that there was room in the marketplace. Because when you look at eyewear, it's super competitive. You look at all these big sure. brands and people that have stood the test of time, and it's, it's how do you compete with that at first. It's daunting. And then you meet all these individuals, like I said, hundreds of thousands of them, and there you know there's millions out there that are saying, well, it's great. You know, they've been there, but who's next? What's fun? What's interesting? Um, what, like I said, has heart? Because a lot of people these right. days I've learned are super about giving back. They want to know that the brand that they're going to support has um, some heart and, and they're doing something with their dollar. 
um, that affects right. people in a positive way. So when you were selling at these festivals in the beginning, had you already decided and made clear to the people you were selling to that you were going to be doing a charitable donation? Or did that come after you did this target market research and realized that that's what people wanted and you guys were into it and then did that when you kind of really launched the official business? Interestingly enough, so actually the idea for DIFF, like I said, was born. We launched DIFF in 2014 online. We only, after that date of November, right before Black Friday in 2014, we, we really stopped doing the festivals. It, it was costly. Mm. Um, it, was, it was really costly, and it took us out of the office. And as we started to build the online brand, um, that is where the messaging for our one-for-one, one, I'm sorry, we've got to take that one out, but our buy a pair, give a pair um, yeah. really started. That's where the messaging for that really started was online. Um, Got it. Okay. Be, yeah, and 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 the but the tr the real idea for diff charitable eyewear was from day one. So no matter if someone we did have a few festivals, I think we went to like one or two right after we launched the company, and we definitely sold some glasses there. Um, and we've always donated, like I said, from day one, a pair of reading glasses to someone in need through a couple of different partners and initiatives that we've that we've run. That. That charitable initiative that we ran, though, um, in the beginning since the launch of DIFF, it has evolved. But to answer your, your question, we, it, really the festivals, we left them behind when we started DIFF. And, right. and we, again, yeah, we weren't really DIFF when we were there. We were just getting ready to just build three guys selling, we were, Just three guys selling glasses. <laughs> Exactly. And we were three yeah. guys that, like I said, would say became best friends and, and the best business partners you could ever ask for before we had Diff, which I think is also important. We learned a lot about yeah. each other and what our strengths were and stuff like that through working together on other projects. And then, and then Diff came. Um, and, and again, Diff's mission in the beginning was charitable designer eyewear online. Like we wanted yeah. to only really focus direct to consumer in the beginning. And Truth be told, again, we wanted to leave those festivals behind because it was breaking our back. We were traveling sure. all over the country, packing these trailers and putting stuff in a truck and, and going across the country together. And we were just like, gosh, we could really benefit from uh, an online store. <laughs> so right. I could, I could benefit from sitting at my desk for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sed sedentary suddenly became fabulous. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about your production. You know, because I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you probably got turned on to manufacturers from your dad, maybe, or at least got leads that way. And do you guys um, do you design your own eyewear now? Do you have designers that do it for you? Talk a little bit about how that works. Yeah, production was in my bloodline. It was manufacturing mm -hmm. and, and import. You know, that was like what, uh, aside from I talked about going in the shows with my dad as a young guy, um, I was going to China around the age of 15, um, walking through factories, like really early on, so lucky to have seen this process and seeing where these things were coming from. And so when it came time for me to own and really operate DIFF, we had a super strong foundation. In fact, so not aside from just my family having connections to import and going over there and, and having connections to factories, Zach had already had his own from working and owning an eyewear company before DIFF, and Chad had already had his mm. own as well. So the three of us had experience in dealing with import. Manufacturing eyewear, um, 
there's a couple major cities overseas, mostly in China and Japan and Italy and other places as well, but mostly in China where these things are made. And the manufacturing process for eyewear um, is generally the same across, you know, factory to factory. But what, comes, what we focused on is where is it going to be made and how is it going to be made? Um, because you can, eyewear varies tremendously. You have cheap, 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 cheap sunglasses that really truly do get made for less than a dollar a piece. And then you've got really right. expensive stuff that, that can be priced on, you know, at cost above $25, $30, $40. I mean, it gets expensive. Mm-hmm. And then there's, of course, the, the, the fair trade. How are these factories being run? Is there, is, is there good morals behind what you do as a business and supporting these other countries and import and all that stuff? And we try to care about that to a T, and we do. And again, these relationships that we have going back, some of these relationships we have going back, you know, 20 plus years have really helped us do that. Um, sure. But yeah, quality and, and um, keeping things fun and the design and all that stuff is at the forefront of what we do. You asked about the design. Um, yeah. We do design everything in-house, so it's all designed, um, conceptualized here in California with an amazing team, and those concepts are sent overseas um, to then be constructed. And it's a handmade pair of sunglasses. The acetate that we use is all handmade, hand-finished, so the production process is actually quite long. It takes like 90 days. Wow, to do a, to do a, every time you do a run, it's 90 days. Yeah, just about. If you're going to work with yeah. the quality of eyewear that we're, that we're doing, it should take about that long to produce because there's a whole curing process and getting things to make sure that when they leave the factory, they show up um, in really good condition, the way, you know, the way yeah. they should. Wow, that's, that's great. I've, I've, I've done a lot of manufacturing in China for my own products, and usually it's like 45 days, but they're fabric. So, sure. You know, yeah, it's, we can. It's a whole different ball game, right? It is, and we can rush them. You know, we've we've tried to rush production and stuff like that, but we learned that that's a bad idea. We just get defective yeah. units and stuff like that. We try. We yeah. have a super low defect rate. We try to keep everything below two percent, and we just um, we're 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 good at that. And we, but you got to give the factories time to to make sure. a good product. Of course. So let's talk about, let's dive into your uh, first biggest mistake with your guys' business and how you muddled through that. Yeah. I had to think about this. I had to to think about this question. And you're like, which one? Which one is my biggest? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I I know. Right. I had to think about this. I was like, how many mistakes have we made? Um, Uh. But I I landed on one. I really did. I figured one out. So I I realized that, and this is actually Zach Ordan, my partner, name is Chad Jernigan, um, and myself. When we got started, we had what I like to call the entrepreneurial struggle. Actually, Zach coined that phrase, but it's true. Um, I'm sure someone else coined that phrase, but we used to talk about a lot. It was distractions. We had so many distractions going on as young entrepreneurs because we thought everything that we touched was going to make money. You know, every company that we had, we started, we started a promotional eyewear company. We made, you know, we printed businesses and their names on the side of glasses to promote those businesses. We were doing it for DJs. We were doing it for the festivals we were at. Then we were doing the glasses at the festivals. And we had other projects that we started along the way too as young entrepreneurs. And it, in the beginning, it looks like shiny objects. You're just all about the idea of like, hey, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna fire a thousand bullets, and then eventually I'm gonna fire this cannon, and that's the right. idea. You're like, let me just try all these little things, and it is not true in my world. In in my experience, it was like all those little projects only equaled distraction. 
away mm-hmm. from what truly was our full potential. And, and I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but I think that ever since day one, our truest full potential has always been diff. All the ideas and things that we had were, they made money. Some of them were really profitable, but this was our fullest potential. This is what, this is what the Iowa world really needed. And so as soon as we did away with all those distractions, and it took a while, it like diff just kind of popped. So mm. that for sure, and when I thought about this question, like what was our biggest mistake, it always came back to those distractions and all the things that took us away from doing diff really well. That, until we did that, it struggled, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It just was only half, mm-hmm. you know, half of its potential. Mm-hmm. It's funny, when, um, when I launched my handbag company, I was running two other companies at the same right. time that I'd had for many years. And it was sort of because of the income from those that I could afford to leave my film job and start my handbag company. And when I, but I realized pretty quickly, just like you did, that the distractions of those businesses was keeping me from being as successful as I could with my handbag company. And it's funny, when I started my second business, with my patented closet organizer, I didn't have any other businesses at the time. Right, and right. In, and the, the attention to it and the profitability was so much higher in the first two years. Exactly. <laughs> that, that when was you're my just doing one thing, thing, right? Yeah, right. When you're doing one thing that you are really good at, you know, then, you know, and I'm sure that that probably bleeds out in your relationship with your partners, right? Because Zach and other Chad, right, have strengths that you probably don't have and vice versa. And if you guys stick with what you're good at, then you become a well-oiled machine. That's the truest statement I've ever heard. It bleeds out into not just the partnership, it bleeds out into us growing a team. I think two years ago as a, as a real young startup, we had a lot of people wearing way too many hats and trying to do all these different things for the business. And it's a detriment to us and and sometimes them it sucks you know you have people that come in here to to care and and do all these things including myself and zach and chad you know we tried to wear so many different hats in the beginning and it's always a detriment to you and it's always a detriment to the business but sometimes you have to do it sometimes you have to kind of pick up where other people are falling short or if you don't have something in that seat but um what you said is true when you have somebody at the top, but I always say it starts at the bottom up. You know, I always like to say it starts in the, in the warehouse and that type of thing. Yes. Um, but if you have <laughs> one person or that one person can at max do two things, but usually it's hopefully one thing really well, that's like well-oiled machine right there. Um, you said that, and I really agree. Yeah. We're trying to practice yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it might be one of the hardest things, actually. I mean, for me, it, it always is. has been in business is really – Making sure, I think like one of the, here I'll just circle back for a sec, one of the most important things to me and one of the things that I really like to drive home with people is that you have to know how to do everything in your business, right? Like right. You, you even have to know how you want the boxes packed, right? How do right, the eyeglasses right, get right. packed? Then how do they, what do they get packed in to go in the little shipping carton to go to the customer online or to the store or whatever? And you have to figure that out, you know, or have a really smart shipping guy who comes and presents you with four different options or something. But I always find it easier to just say, I'm just going to figure this out and then I'm going to show you what I want. And then you're really good at shipping so you can do that job now. But that until you can master each 
job technically, right? All the millions of jobs that go into building right. your business. It, you're a way better CEO when you know how to do it, and then you can job it out and teach somebody or find somebody who knows how to do it so that you can do what you do best, sales it's, or whatever. It's, it's so true. It really is. If you And I, I get scared around here sometimes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a new system, and I don't know it, you know, because people mm-hmm. got in here building new systems and doing new things. And I get a little fearful because I've always believed that you're right. If you bet a good owner, a good CEO, a good executive, anyone that's involved like that, should know it down to the systems if you can or how you pack a box. But then you get to a level, and I'm trying to learn how to do this, where at least if you know what's going on, I say, if you just know mm-hmm. what's going on in your business, if you know your business at this point or if it gets to a certain point where it's so big, it's, you're just a better manager. You're a better person yep. to run the business because you can, you can call things and, 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 and people and call things as you see it if you really know right. the facts. Um, you can empathize with people and what they're going through if you really know what they have to do each day. Um, yeah. You know, another other time you see an owner or someone that's really removed from a business and trying to call the shots, and you're like, uh, you have been here for six months or a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what's, what's going on. Um, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. that's not us. That's actually, that's to make it clear, that is not the boys. The boys, whether, whether it's good or bad, I don't think we micromanage people, but we're super involved. Um, we love well, to I be think involved it's in you have all to be. aspects. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I think like you were saying, a good manager is somebody who knows everybody's job, knows what they're doing, lets them do it, and then helps them where they fall down, helps them stand right. up, and then let them keep going, you know. Precisely. Um, yeah. Well, so let, let's just let's talk about you guys have tons of celebrities on your site. And yeah. so how did you get these celebs to wear your glasses, and how is that working for you? Good. That was, that was um, I like to give Zach a lot of credit for that. So my partner Zach was, we all identified Instagram as a, as a platform that was going to be very important. We didn't know exactly how much it would affect our business in a positive way until it happened. But back in 2013 and 2014, as we were conceptualizing this, we saw influencers start to be born. And they weren't even called influencers at the time. They were just young or not always young, but people that had followings. They were people that had a thousand followers. You know, everyone's like, oh, you focus on these major celebrities. In the beginning, we were just focused on people that had genuine followings. It could have been the college mm. girl. It could have been, you know, we were talking about sports players and athletes and male and female all, all together. Zach, my partner, honed in on this idea of influencers so much before I think the idea was even truly born like I, I was there but people weren't calling it that yet and he just got in touch with everybody i mean mm. he it was it was like a positive it was a it was a healthy addiction to what <laughs> this business really needed you know he was there every day and every night sending thousands of emails to people trying to get them to support diff um just for the simple exchange of product he was putting together emails basically saying, you know, we're a new charitable designer eyewear company. We make a good product. Mm-hmm. We give back. We don't have a budget for this yet, but we want to give you something for free to see if you like it. And we didn't realize at the time how many crappy sunglass companies were out there sending these people actually, you know, poor products. So when they would get the diff product in the mail, the, these people in the beginning very early on were like, wow, these are nice. I'll wear these. 
And yeah. that, was, that was timing, and it was Zach's effort. And we all put a little bit of effort in, but Zach just trumped us when it came to really going, going to town on this. He's, a, he's really into it. And um, it was everything. I mean, getting, he's, like I said, he started with small-time people that just had genuine followings. And he started telling us, like, I'm going to get the Jenners to wear this. I'm going to get Kylie. I'm going to get Kendall. I'm going to get someone that really can get this name out there. And I just try, I believe me, like when you talk to Zach, he, you tend, you want to trust everything he's saying because he says it in a way that's like, oh man, he's going to do this. And so right. he did it. Like he just did it. He just started with whoever he could get in touch with. Can I have this contact? Can I have this contact? We really have something good going here. And then we reached a level of like, okay, you're going to have to pay. And that was where, again, Zach taught me something. And Chad, we, me and Chad were always kind of on one end of the spectrum or kind of somewhere in the middle. Zach was always far on the right. He's like, we have to pay. We're going to have to invest and spend money to make money. And he was right. You know, the guy was a risk taker. He, 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 he did, um, we put some big money down on some influencers early on. But that was back in the day that you could get a return. We were, mm. you know, this is going back to like, couple years ago, but we were spending the money and we were making it back. So anyways, it was a, it was a hard fought battle. It was, it was just a lot of work. There weren't agencies involved at the time. It was literally, mm-hmm. you know, just grassroots getting down to the keyboard, sending emails, trying to see who would, who would take. And then once, once a couple of them made it cool, then it was like, all right, everybody's down to wear a diff. It was really cool. Right. Really yeah. nice. Now we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, exactly. the power of celebrity is real. It really it is. is. I know, I know. That's. I mean, I but, turned my hand, from my handbag company. We went from half a million to a million in one year just from getting okay. stuff to celebrities and getting them into movies. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah it's amazing. I mean, it's good. And if you're and if you want to be out there, you know, now as an online brand, um, there's so much noise. But I still think it's important. I still think you have to market oh, yeah. people that are influential. Yeah. Has that helped you? Because um, I know now you're heading up. You guys are moving into stores now, um, some big department stores. I assume it's like a, and then your thousand plus stores, boutiques, right? Um, yeah. Do you use Do you use your PR placements? And because I know you guys have a bunch of PR too, um, your PR yeah. placements and your celebrity um, followers to help. Do, do you find that that helps you get into stores? Yeah, it does. I mean, it, we were we were direct to consumer first, so we we really mm-hmm. only sold online for all those years, and or not all those years, it's not been that long. Um, we sold <laughs> online first, and then yeah. and through it, it is actually a funny story. There was a moment where we had been to a, like a trade show or two, and we had we were growing a small wholesale business, and Nordstrom had approached us through Instagram, and we weren't doing a very good job of fielding all of our Instagram inquiries, I guess. There were so many coming mm. in. We missed it. We <laughs> that might not fall have this, into your biggest mistake category. You know what? You know what's funny, actually? They were, no, I've got to go back. This is, this is how it worked. They were trying to get in touch with us via like an email or something that we had out there, like some sort of thing so someone could become a retailer you know, mm-hmm. and this is Nordstrom, the biggest retailer in my eyes, one of the biggest, most amazing retailers mm-hmm. in the world, trying to get at us. And we were so busy at the time, and we were focused online and all this stuff, that I, somehow we missed the first two or something. Bad, bad us. Huge mistake, whatever. Bad. <laughs> the, <laughs> Zach put a, put a deal together with Kendall to do a post for one of our glasses that we were releasing. And 
she did it. She agreed to do the post. And it was this big deal because at the time, Kendall hadn't posted for any eyewear companies, I don't think. And she posted, and it, you know, the headline was something about Kendall Jenner partners with charitable eyewear company to do good in the world. I mean, the PR that spun off of this for her was, was incredibly positive. I mean, mm-hmm. like, the, we, Chris Jenner herself called us to tell us it went well. We were like, oh, that's great. Like, totally, you know, good. And what happened for us, I think it was like the next day we got a direct message. So this was where I was wrong in the beginning. It, it came after the email or something. They basically said, hey, we're in Orangestrom. We're trying to get in touch with you. And it was right after the Kendall post, and it went from, like, them wanting to do a four-door test to saying, hey, you know, we're going to try you in all doors. So wow. you want to talk, yeah, you want to talk about the power of that, you know, that little bit right there helping right, one influencing a, a major retailer. And it wasn't one post. I think it was accumulation of, of a bunch of different things that we've been doing during that year. And then they mm. saw that post. And Kendall and Kylie, there was nobody hotter at the time. Kendall herself was just becoming this amazing model and everything. And, and yeah, it, that was one of the most memorable things I think we could have ever had happen. And to, you know, back to your question of is, has it influenced us on the retail side of things or being in store? It did. And it still does. Mm-hmm. People recognize sure. us from work, you know, working with their favorite celebrity, seeing it on them on Instagram, but not really being convinced. They're like, okay, good glasses, whatever I own, Ray-Ban, or whatever they own, you know, good brands out there. Mm-hmm. Then they go into the store and they say, hey, this was Diff. That was that brand that I saw my favorite celebrity. And then they see the price point. Then they see the quality. If they have the right rep, that rep hopefully will tell them about the charity and then it's like done. So right. that's why I think the power of what we do from, uh, you know, with our Instagram influencers and any type of PR is you get people to be aware of stores and consumers alike of what Diff is doing enough. And usually by the time they touch the glasses, actually physically hold them in their hand, that's when they're sold because it's the quality yeah. factor. Yeah. yeah. And your price factor too. I mean, your prices are so great. And I'm not saying that right. It's the price point and the value. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, yeah. the, or it's the quality and the value. They see the quality. They say, oh, wow, this is amazing, and they can't tell the difference between those designer brands out there that cost 400 bucks, and, right. and it's right there on the rack for $85, and that's yeah. the deal. You're, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about your charitable arm because I know you guys have a few different ways that you contribute to – various charities, right? You've got your buy a pair, give a pair. And then do you still have your Project Diff, the pouch program, and your local initiatives programs as well? Of course. It's so, this is my favorite part. I love, I love to talk about it all, so you have to slow me down. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, let's it's, talk about how, uh, how you guys do the, the buy a pair, give a pair, just because there's, you know, I know there's a lot of small companies out there that do sure. various versions of that. Like I have a friend in Denver who has a T-shirt company um, and it's called Brave Hoods, and they give you buy it, buy a shirt, and they give a hoodie to a child who has cancer, you know, who sure. lost her hair or his hair. Sure. Um, sure. And so, you know, how how have you, well, let, let's here. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Obviously, there's the logistics in that, right? You have to decide like how you're going to get the, the glasses to people, right? So right. there's that part of the logistics. And then, so, and then how do you decide 
um, how did you decide who you're going to partner with on this? Or do you right. partner with various people like a different company each year? Or do you stick with one? Yeah, it's insane how it all kind of – so there, it's, and this is a good way to start too about talking about what we do because this has since day one been our, been our main initiative. Um, in the beginning, when, when you start as a small company, it's very doable. Um, mm-hmm. Donating a pair of, of, of something for every purchase made in the beginning is, is like I said, it's, it's very doable. And how I was doing it was I had my dad, so he was importing reading glasses from China, and they were really affordable, um, but still good quality. Like we would, we would test these. We want to make sure we're not giving away something that's just going to break in our hands before they even get to use it. So sure. I – my dad had a number of clients that he sold to just as a wholesaler that were going on different trips. Some of these were medical trips. Some of them were mission trips. Um, and there were these individuals buying my dad's product at wholesale cost and taking them into various countries and donating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them were going abroad. I don't know what the whole big – a lot of people make a big deal about, oh, you take some of these donations abroad versus here on your own soil. And we, we talk about why we do a lot of initiatives locally for that reason. But for the most part, these people were taking them abroad. So I just called them. I was calling these individuals, and one woman going back to the very beginning, her name was Sherry Grigsby, and she owned a, a 501c3 called Eyes on Africa. They were our original charitable partner, and they to this day – still receive donations on behalf of this buy a pair, give a pair program. But I was contacting these individuals saying, hey, you know, we're going to start a company. I know you already purchased these reading glasses from my dad. I want you to stop. This is going to start to purchase these reading glasses from you. You just have to continue getting them into the hands of people in need, and you have to tell me how many you're able to accomplish because I have to, you know, I have to do it for as many pairs of sunglasses I've sold. Year one, that was easy. I think we sold like 15,000 units, and we just, I just facilitated those donations through Eyes on Africa. Year two, three, four, and, and I will say as, as, as businesses grow, I think a lot of big brands have gone through this, this buy a pair, give a pair, um, every pair sold type thing. It gets a little bit hard if you start to sell 1,000 units, I'm sorry, 100,000 units or 500,000 units or a million units. Um, so right. we had to expand our partnerships. We had to find different groups out there that um, are doing this on a global scale. And, and still to this day, through a network of partners, we're able to accomplish this. And I had, you know, I had done this in the beginning by myself, and now I have someone here uh, who is full-time helping me manage this. We have a network of partners that we go on giving trips each year, everyone from S. Vosh and GMT and these other groups that are through schools, um, we, we volunteer, we, we call them up, we say, hey, we have X amount of classes we need to donate this quarter, can we take some with you on a trip? And they say yes. Mm. Um, in 2016, 17, and 18, we had a partnership with a company called Restoring Vision. Um, Restoring Vision has a network of 1,400 different partners that they utilize wow. to get our donations out there. Um, and now in 2019, we've kind of moved away from just working with them exclusively um, still talking to them, still trying to, to do things with them, but also really expanding our vision for this buy a pair, give a pair into 2020. It all kind of, you know, 2020 vision. There's that. It's a play mm. on words. A lot of these play organizations on words. Are I look, love that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these organizations are looking at ways to say, okay, um, rather than just handing somebody a reading glass, like a resource that, again, it could break. 
it could go away, you know, it could, they could lose it, or what happens if this organization doesn't come back, which is another thing. We try to work with organizations that go back to the same regions and, and help people. But my, my point is, is that we still do our buy a pair, give a pair. It's very much at the forefront of what we do. But as DIFF grows, it's, it's so hands-on because we're not just selling 10,000 units. We have hundreds of thousands of these things that have to go out in the world, and we have to make sure it's not negatively impacting an economy, that we're not just saying that we're doing this and the money just mm. evaporates in the thin air. So what we're doing right now is working with a number of partners to ensure the success of this program through 2019, which we will, and it could go on for many years, but then we're looking at like what is really the evolution of a charitable brand like in a, in a positive, sustainable way. Because if we sell 10 million pairs of sunglasses, which I hope we do one day, I don't know if we will, but that's a lot of, of, of yeah. reading glasses. You know, yeah. and, the, and, and of the, of the 1.2 billion people, I believe is the statistic that we fall on last year, that are in need of reading glasses, we're still short on that number. But where are they? Mm-hmm. How do you get them there? Um, right. So taking it back and, and working with partners and we're in the development of something, like if you were to ask me what's coming for DIFF, I would say we have a lot of amazing things that are going to happen with DIFF Charitable in that sense. But to put a kind of bow tie on, on this one, we still provide a pair of reading glasses to someone in need through this network of partnerships as of right now. What I'm saying is that I think the evolution and, and, and us progressing and becoming and staying a charitable brand that will have to change. So what we've done is we've started a lot of, we've started a lot of programs like our pouch program you mentioned, Project Diff, that mm-hmm. only focuses on empowerment and education. So I can tell you a little bit about that program. And then we have our local initiatives. And we're trying to grow those so that Diff is always charitable, but we're charitable in a way that checks out so that if people want to know, well, what are you doing and how are you doing it, I have an answer for you. I don't just cut mm-hmm. a check and tell you, oh, you know, you can go do your research because that is so dangerous for a brand, you know. Right. So we're really aware of, of some of the things that we have to do to make sure that we can still do that. But right now our messaging has been and still stands. Um, but then we have the other projects and things that I think we're really going to grow. I love that you're so proactive about it yourself. You know, I think so many companies, as they get, you know, to sort of this, the stage where you are now, you know, and, and, and selling, you know, you've, you've donated over a million pairs of reading glasses, which means you've sold a million pair of glasses. Right. And, right. and so, or maybe more today, but, mm-hmm. but Definitely somewhere more. around there. Yeah. yeah. And, and so often you, you know, I would, I would just say as like a lay person, right, you read about it and you're like, oh yeah, well probably there's just somebody dealing with this and there's just a, like a big warehouse filled with the, with the reading glasses right. and nobody cares of, about it anymore. A lot right? of questions. Right. Yeah. And, and so I just love that you're so on top of it and that you're, it's important to you and that you're looking for, you're personally looking for ways for your company to expand on, on your charitable programs. And obviously, yes, you're right. As, as your company grows and there's, Five million or ten million pairs of glasses sold. I mean, you could have a football field filled with glasses being waited to be donated. You know, right, if, exactly. if you're not on top of it, yeah. Um, right. And then it just becomes a burden. You know. Um, right. 
which sounds like think, you're really right. working hard to, for it not to be that way. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, because exactly. You just need to be hands-on with it and, and be proactive and see it before it happens because you, you're a brand. People expect you to be doing what you say you're doing. And mm-hmm. you're taking people's money, and so you have to right. do it. And I, the last thing I want to do is ever I've kind of explain this in a few different interviews and stuff. It's like integrity to, to the end. Like I just want yeah. to be able to be, you know, have the ability to not look over my shoulder and worry about what we're doing. Um, people are always going to poke holes in what you do and look for negatives and, and try to find ways to... Yeah, I don't know. But at the end of the day, like this, if you come in here and talk to Kelsey, the girl that runs our charity, or any of the partners, we aren't just sure and, and confident about what we do because we've protected it and we have integrity. It's like proud. This is a passion. This is like you talk to Kelsey, and I can tell you a lot about this other patch program we developed together. This girl only really is here to help people. That is like her yeah. job at DIFF is to make sure that we're doing it and we're doing it in a way that it protects us and it protects the, the dollar that someone has spent um, as much mm-hmm. as we can. Yeah. That's so great. I just, I love it. Um, Thank you. I don't know. I just, I just love the whole idea that that's what your company was built on from the get-go, you know, and it's not like you guys just made all this money and just said, oh, what should we do with it, you know, and right. let's just become a charity, right? You know, that's right. even, you know, and that it wasn't an afterthought, that it was a forethought. And I think that, you know, a lot of, there's very few companies out there where it is a forethought and that mm-hmm. that's the foundation that you built your company on. So bravo for that. <laughs> we put it, we put the word charitable. I love what you're saying forethought. We always say forefront. It's like we put the name charitable. We say, call it diff yeah. charitable eyewear because we wanted it to be in the forefront of everything that we did. Right. Yeah. And, and it, so. it is, clearly. I mean, you guys have done a great job. Your website really shows that. I think that it really it gives people instant um, information, right, you yeah. know, about, about what you do and what you guys are about, and I think that's so important. And especially and real you quick. Know, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, when they, if someone goes to the website, do you want to let them know, if, real quick, I can tell about this really, really quickly. The pouch program that we started was an effort to be focused on empowerment education. So the pouches that we have on the website are handmade by tailors in Uganda. The, the purchase of that pouch by Diff Eyewear it covers the wage for the tailor and the production of the pouch. Plus, there are proceeds, so profits that stay in that community to fund a school. So everything is local. The pouches come and the fabric comes from a local market. The tailors are local. They receive a wage. And the school that these proceeds is affecting is local. So now we are not just handing someone a resource. They're providing something and learning a skill set that stays with them whether this program ends tomorrow or not. And the school will always be there. And we've just helped it. It was there before we got involved, and it will be there once we're done or however long this runs. But those programs are kind of, I think, the future of DIFF, working with somebody or a group to empower themselves, educate, and all that stuff is, is, is really important more so than just handing a resource. And then you'll see local initiatives. You'll see that we go out and we do beach cleanups here in L.A. with Heal the Bay. Yep. We do Food Bank of L.A. to help you know, feed the needy. We do events down on Skid Row with, with celebrities um, like Justin Baldoni, who we did a collaboration with, to support the community members of Skid Row because they're right here. I mean, Skid Row is 10, 15 yeah. you know, minutes away from our office. So we are doing things, 
and growing tremendously. Yeah. And we're doing things here when people ask, well, what are you doing at home to help? And we're doing what we can. But yeah. that's, in short, the other projects, you know, alongside what we do is a one for one. And it is expensive and it takes time, but we do it. You know, we as yeah. a team, with the help of a lot of people in here, but especially Kelsey, um, that's what we do. Go, Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, exactly. Yeah, thank God for Kelsey. Um, She's amazing. I just, I love that you guys do, I mean, I saw that, your local initiative, um, and that you help people at home. And I know that it's so important to some people, right, that you're keeping right. – keeping up with where you are in your home base or even going to another U.S. city or, you know, wherever that leads you down the line um, and that you're helping to empower these people, you know, with their sewing skills and creating more, you know, giving whatever you're giving to the school, which is obviously helping it be a better school and educating more kids in a country that doesn't have the same abilities and comforts that we do. Yeah. And, you know, and I just, I think it's, um, I just think it's amazing. And Thank I you. commend you all <laughs> for, for, for doing that. And I, I just, like I said, I love that it came, you know, um, in the forethought of the business. And, and I know it is the forefront of your business, but I think that it's, it's, pro it's rare that, you know, three guys get together at a college and say, hey, let's start this business and make it a charitable company and you know and the fact that you guys you know are getting into big stores that you're going to become a much more nationally uh and nationally recognized brand right because you've got your stores right. in the la area right now right your own stores right. um, we have kiosks. And that, yeah okay yeah and um you know and to be able to have that you know be out there all over the place for other people to um, experience in person, right? You know, you can buy glasses totally. online, but I think there's a whole different, um, like you were saying, when people come in and they can touch and feel and see the quality and then the price combined, it's kind of a no-brainer to, to purchase them. Um, so, well, Chad, thanks so much you get for it. sharing your you story. You get it. Yeah, yeah. I totally do. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, of course. Well, I love talking to you and hearing about your story, and I just know you guys are going to go places. You can tell from your your gusto and the three of you guys together sound like a dream team. So um, I can't well, wait to follow along and see how it comes out in a couple more years. We'll have to touch base again. I, we will. We can, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate having you know a medium for telling people about what we're doing. A lot of times they find out through their own means, but you know, you giving me an opportunity to come here and talk about it is great. So, thank you, and happy to do it again. This has been an amazing experience. Great. So, again, yeah, thank awesome. you. Awesome. Well, we'll catch up, and we'll catch up in a year, and see where you guys are at, and what's happening, and where you're donating, and all that kind of stuff. So, have a great day, and we'll catch up soon. All right. Thank you very thanks. much. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.